Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. The following program is brought to you by Podcast One Sportsnet. Don't forget to download our new Podcast One app. Quick break to tell you guys about NFL Game Pass, the only way that you can replay every game all season long. You can relive all the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stars from every game every week. It's all the action, all the football you can handle, all in one place. So every game that we're talking about right now, you guys can rewatch it after the fact. I'm going to be going back, and you guys can too. Go check out Lamar Jackson in week one. Go check out Dak Prescott and what that Cowboys offense actually did. Go check out Kyler Murray and his NFL debut. That's my favorite thing about NFL Game Pass. You can go back and watch at any time. And if you haven't watched a condensed game yet, You have to try it out. It's every play from the game back to back to back so you can replay an entire NFL game in the fraction of the time it normally takes. It's how I'm able to follow all the MVP candidates, all the breakout stars, and, of course, your waiver wire pickups all season long. To see all the action this season and stay on top of all the big storylines, you need NFL Game Pass. Best of all, you can kick off the 2019 NFL season with a seven-day free trial of NFL Game Pass. Just sign up now at nfl.com slash NFL. Attention sports fans, award-winning sports columnist and ESPN commentator Woody Page is putting down the chalkboard and picking up the mic for the Woody Page podcast on Podcast One Sportsnet. Join Woody each week as he takes on sports and pop culture with his roster of famous and even legendary guests from the world of sports and entertainment. Drop the chalk and download new episodes of the Woody Page podcast every week on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Hey guys, Yahoo has officially released their daily fantasy football contest. They have a $1 million contest with no management fee and $100,000 to first place, meaning more money goes back to you, the players. It's a 10-entry max. You're not going to be playing against people with 150 lineups like other sites. And Yahoo also has a $100,000 guaranteed contest, so there are lots of prizes out there. If you're just getting started with daily fantasy football, join the free-to-enter Yahoo Cup and play all season long. 150000 in weekly and season-long prizes, and if you get a perfect lineup, you win $1 million. Get started right now at yahoo.com slash dailyfantasy. Welcome in to the PFF NFL Podcast. Steve Palazzolo here with Sam Monson and his He Hate Me shirt. Yeah. Nice, man. Podcast merchandise. We're both wearing podcast merchandise. I rock... I'm rocking the Palazzolo for GM Jets I shirt. I think that ship sailed. Yeah, but I'm trying to poke the Jets a little bit because oh, yeah? on the back, I would change my slogan to no mono allowed. Huh. No making out in the locker room. Okay. That's I it. Mean, maybe he made out 
somewhere other than London. All right, well, no mono allowed. That's that's what we would preach with the Jets. Okay. If I had gotten the job. And look, this job could be open within a year or two. This shirt's always valid. Would that have been part of your Prezi presentation to the Jets? Yeah, I would have kept mono out of the building. Huh, okay. Would you have like would you have led with that as part of your sales pitch? No, no, no. It's more toward the end. All right, okay. It's a rare case. Sam Donald's got mono. Yeah. Not great. No. Um, so, yeah, we're live on YouTube. Appreciate everybody tuning in. Uh, there's probably millions watching. Don't look at the view count. Millions, you ready to go? Millions listen. M- millions thousands listen. Yeah, yeah. Watch. We're just getting. Thousands and thousands. Just watch. getting some traction. So, yeah, we're building. On the YouTube. So, it's your week two preview show. We're going to go game by game. Yes. Preview everything. And as always, it's Thursday afternoon. So, right. we're going to give our assessment of what happened so this gets really messed up now we're live right yeah because now we're live so for everybody listening we're about to tell you what already happened from the past for everybody watching on youtube we're about to predict the future from the past that hasn't already happened yet because most people listen to us after the thursday night game so sam it's your turn yes we you're going to last week we missed it we weren't even close yeah have we lost have we lost it well, we didn't start till week three last year. Right. We eased into it. I think you need a little bit. You need a small data set of the season to kind of work off of. Oh, that was the problem. So it's a challenge okay. right now because okay. you just you just don't know what you're going to get it's early true. in the year. So really putting ourselves out there. The Carolina Panthers and Tampa Bay Bucks played and or are playing Thursday night football. Uh-huh. Sam's going to tell us what happened or what will happen in the game. Yeah, and I've been struggling with this. This isn't good because typically last year when we really nailed it, it just came to you. Just right. Divine inspiration. It was just there. You knew that Nick Mullins was going to carve up the Raiders, etc. Yeah. I I can't really think of a good one. So, Jameis Winston was terrible last week, not helping your cause of, you know, MVP Jameis. I'm already off the MVP bandwagon. Right. Coming any year now. This this week, though, is going to tell you why you think that. This week, you're going to see good Jameis. Really? Mistakes are going to be eliminated. You're going to see him dealing deep down the field against that Carolina secondary. He's going to throw for 300. He's going to score four touchdowns. He's going to have a passer rating sky high. He's going to look like MVP Jameis, and you're going to come in next time we sit in this chair and be like, see, this is the player I know he can be. Wow. And MVP Jameis. MVP huh? Jameis shows up on Thursday night against Carolina Panthers. Well, I'm looking forward to it. Because Which is yeah. not good for my picks because I picked the Panthers. Oh, man, you're really hedging right now. Well, I mean, look, sometimes the future goes against what you thought was going to happen from the past or whatever. All right. Can we get to the games? Yeah. What is going on? Well, let's here? start with this one. Well, no, we're done with that one, right? We're that done. Yeah, happened. yeah. Jameis, MVP Jameis, but the Panthers win, according to you. Yes. Um, everyone except Bruce, former Tampa Bay Buck. Yeah. Everyone else took the Panthers. Bruce took his former team. All right, we're going to get into the two biggest games of the week, according to us, according to this list that you've put together here for me, and then we'll go rapid fire through all of the others. Before we begin, are we? can we make an official announcement that we're going to do one more podcast? Or? Yes, starting okay. next week. Starting next week, we're going to do an extra podcast. We're going to drop it on Wednesday. Yep. We're a little open-ended. We want to just hit on like the biggest NFL topics. There's a lot of times on Monday we joke about, oh, man, this pod could be forever. Mm-hmm. We're going to kind of split it into two. So we'll review Monday and then hit on the biggest topics on Wednesday yeah. in more depth, right? Right. And we've also been given the full okay by the big boss man. And by that, I mean Chris Collinsworth Chris. as opposed to the aging wrestler from the 80s who may or may not still be alive. He's dead, yeah. Yeah, okay. Definitely not him. Um, Bubba Rogers. But we've been Great given trailer. the okay to, to just go long. 
We've got a lot of stuff to talk about coming out of Sunday. Just keep going. That's how much Mr. Collinsworth. That's how good our podcast is. That's how much he loves it. According to the only person that matters, as far it as is. I'm concerned, the guy that's paying the checks. I love how we um, we figured it's only because he travels so much Sunday into Monday, or you know, on Monday coming He's got back a lot of time and all that stuff. To listen to podcasts, yeah. Right, guys on the road a lot. Right. So if we if stop know. short at an hour, he's like, no, guys, I need right. another hour. I don't know if you know, but he you know, travels to games and stuff. He does. Yeah, he does. So uh, we'll do an extra podcast on Wednesday. We'll hit on some of the biggest NFL topics. We'll go more in depth and always willing to hear. We got a lot of suggestions on Twitter for different things we could do. I think we could just mix in a lot of those ideas yeah. when they feel right. And generally, we are massively expanding the PFF podcast offering. So yes. if you like podcasts, but for some reason you hate us and or hate listening to us right now. He hate me. Right. If you just sit here every every week listening to us fuming at how much we piss you off, there's also Mike and Austin. They just set up a podcast. Mike Renner from this podcast fame. Also The Bachelorette and other things. Um, it's it's kind of like watching our uh, our son right. develop. Okay. Uh, two for one drafts, I believe is what theirs is called. Yes. It's all about rookies and uh, college prospects, draft prospects. So that just went live. I listened to the first episode. It was really good. Oh, good. Yeah. Well, well done. Um, there's a college podcast starting up. Cam Meller and Ben Brown. They are creating a pod. Underclassmen. Yes, called Underclassmen, um, which is also just started. Again, we're that's up on Spotify right now. We're working through the iTunes issues to get that fired up as well. Um, and what else is out there? Oh, the forecast, obviously. You should already be listening yeah. to that. The Tuesday morning deal? Tuesday morning. Is that a thing? No. No, no, no. Okay, that was That's random. Just video. Forget that, guys. All right. Now let's get into it. Now we're ready to get into the games? Yes. By the way, by PFF Elite. So, New Orleans Saints at the Los Angeles Rams. Another rematch. The teams played twice last year. The Saints won the first matchup in the Dome. And, of course, we know what happened in the NFC Championship game. The refs blew the game, Sam. It was a bad sure. throw. Was yeah. Bad throw. Nobody talks about how bad of a throw it was by Drew Brees. I mean, uh, yeah, just turned and picked it. Well, yeah, just turned and picked it. Anyway, the um, the pass interference that was never called. The Rams go to the Super Bowl, of course, in overtime. Both games went to overtime that day. Can we just discuss that for a second? The AFC and NFC championships both going to overtime in the same day. Uh huh. Crazy. Yeah, that's it. End okay. of discussion. So now they're going to go to Los Angeles. The teams played in L.A. in 2017. So they are, you know, they have played there. Within the last couple of years, what are you looking for here, man? Um, I think this is a pretty fascinating matchup between... On an in, so, so a lot of times people look for one-on-one matchups, individual battles throughout the games, and a lot of times they're kind of difficult to pin down because yeah, almost always players see a lot of every other player. Yeah, right. Even, even defensive linemen move around a lot. It's no longer just one-on-one with the guy opposite you. and Both of you stay in the same position all game. Um, but I think Alvin Kamara against Corey Littleton has potential to be really fun. Littleton's grades have been really kind of very good in coverage for a while now. Um, he's been making plays. And obviously, we saw, we've known for a while that Kamara is insane. And he started this season exactly the same guy, just dynamic, absolutely devastating ball carrier with the ball carrier, whether it's as a. Whether it's rushing or whether it's catching the ball out of the backfield as well, he is spectacular. So Littleton gets his shot to try and slow him down. Littleton had a couple plays even. So a lot of times you see the coverage grade that we put up here at PFF, and that can entail so many different things. He had a pick uh, you know, when he just got into a passing lane in, his, in zone coverage. He had a forced fumble, which came after the catch, which, get, which gets tacked onto the coverage grade. He also had a play, though, 
because coverage isn't always just covering one-on-one, but he had a one-on-one play where Christian McCaffrey had him with a two-way go, and he stuck with it and held him to, I think it was a six-yard gain or something like that, and Cam actually had to throw the ball perfect away from his tight coverage, and he, you know, Cam did that. Um, so that was an impressive play. So you're going to see potential plays like that where he's one-on-one against Kamara with a two-way go in space in Littleton, pretty athletic. You yeah. know, he has, has the ability to, uh, to stick with. So um, I do love that as a matchup. I think schematically I'm looking at what the Rams are going to do with uh, the Saints because early last year in that NFC Championship game, you saw them essentially try to take away the short stuff. They were going all in on shutting down Michael Thomas. What do you have, three or four catches? They were going all in on saying, all right, Drew Brees, throw the ball deep. Um, Make make them throw it over their head, which was kind of the opposite of what the Texans did, um, which was give up a lot of the underneath stuff the other night. So if the Rams stick with that same game plan, taking away the underneath stuff, the way the Saints combated that or can combat that is you do have to hit a deep shot here and there, or it was finding Kamara. He was the guy that you know had some mismatches and had some matchups against linebackers um, that they hit early on when Michael Thomas was taken out of the game. I think the Saints offense, though, has a few more weapons than they did at the end of last year. We saw Traquan Smith catch a touchdown. Jared Cook's in the mix now. Ted Ginn's back on the field, though he didn't practice. I'm not sure what his exact status will be so um i just think that whole side of the ball is going to be a good one yeah there's some fun matchups in this ryan ramchek the week one was crazy good like he shut down jj watt in a way that i don't know has ever happened before in terms of one-on-one typically we've seen jj watt have bad games before but usually it's because the scheme has taken him away right right, right. either quick passes either everything running away from him you know what i mean something has happened that the game plan has decided that J.J. Watt cannot really impact this game. But Ryan Ramchick went one-on-one within most of the game, didn't allow any pressure. The only bad play is he got done for holding him He had the one holding, yep. But other than that, pretty much owned the guy. Um, Saints won our offensive line of the week, right? Right. Western and Southern? Uh Uh-huh. Offensive line of the week. And it's interesting, when you look at how he was doing it, there was a lot of... um, He kind of almost fooled Watt into basically showing what he was going to do. And almost all the time it was to try and go outside and get around the corner. And he would like, he would sort of, you don't often see it, but he would fake him, you know, fake block him. He'd drop back in his set and then he'd be like, ah, flash your hands out, which is usually when the defense or the defender, the pass rusher tries to swipe down your hands, get around you and make the play. Whereas as soon as he did that, Watt went to swipe. And then after he went to swipe and missed, Ramchek would then engage him and lock on and not let him buy him. You don't see that often. And the, you know, our, uh, the O-line masterminds guys and our Duke friend, Duke Mayweather, 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 they were saying that they, friends? we've conversed. I don't think he likes you at all. I, Sorry, go ahead. I don't think that matters. Um, they were saying that they noticed this about what? That once you, you know, sh- once you once showed you declare, your clear show something, he would he would basically show you what he was going to do. That's when he would engage with his move. And therefore, the way to, to win is to essentially make him show, make him declare by f- faking, by fainting at him. And then, so did this all come out of their summer meetings? I think so, This yeah. is how you stop J.J. Watt. Out of their online masterminds thing. That's great. Um, what's interesting is that it's taken how many years now? Six, five years of J.J. Watt playing before somebody's gone, hang on, this is his kryptonite. Just play like this. I'm sure one or two guys 
knew it. Well, that's what they're saying. I think it was, I can't remember who the guy was, but it was Jeremy Parnell, maybe, who apparently had this piece of information, having played him like that before. That's they, what, so they that's pass what, it around. That's what happens in baseball, but with less, you know, without a uh, summer meetup or anything like that, if pitchers are tipping their pitches. So sometimes you do something with your glove, Sam. Like if I'm throwing a fastball, I might be here. And then a slider, I'm here. Or something like that. And hit, hitters are really good at picking up on that. Uh-huh. And then they start, you know, they switch teams. And they're like, hey, when this guy does this, here comes a slider. And then you get rocked. Right. It's terrible. <laughs> Before you know it, you're doing football podcasts, you know. So um, it's similar to that. I mean, it, it is cool, you know, that exchange of information. Uh, Ryan Ramchek as a whole, I love the guy. He's awesome at football. We talked about him coming into the year. I mean, an 81.2 in grade as a rookie, 81.3 in his second year. We haven't seen a guy that consistent at tackle that quickly since really Joe Thomas. Yeah, and that's probably a big part of it is that Ryan Ramchek is already awesome. Right. You can execute that as well. (laughs) Knowing how to defeat J.J. Watt and actually defeating him are probably two different things. But you now know how to defeat J.J. Watt. I, I still don't think I'd have much of a shot at it. No, I don't think so either. So, yeah, that's... So the Saints offensive line, we've talked a lot about this side of the ball. Let's flip it around on the other side of the ball. We talked a lot coming into the year about the Rams, their ability to adjust offensively. Uh, The pass game, uh, Jared Goff was inconsistent on Sunday. He had a bad interception late. He had another one that looked like a bad interception opportunity, but it was more like the way the receiver is. There's a lot of nuance to plays that that look bad on TV. Uh, But overall, Goff missed a few throws, wasn't great. Um, but the run game was good again, and Todd Gurley was running hard down the stretch there, even though he didn't get to score the two rushing touchdowns. Malcolm Brown picked those up. Um, Gurley did run the ball pretty well down the stretch for them against the Panthers. It's an interesting dynamic with Gurley now because I don't know if anybody really has a handle on what his sort of status is. You know, there's all this talk about, well, the Rams keep saying he's fine, and then they don't give him the ball, so clearly his knee is you know, this degenerative arthritis is a crippling problem that's going to ruin him all season long. Now, he played dramatically more snaps than Malcolm Brown did. He played 53 snaps to Malcolm Brown's 21, but he barely touched the ball more than him. So right. they almost, you know, they almost evenly split carries, but Gurley was on the field more than twice as often. So is that going to be what happens? You know, is, is Brown like a designated ball carrier essentially when he comes in it's almost always carrying the ball and Todd Gurley's there the rest of the time or was this just a weird game flow thing and they use Todd Gurley to see it out late what is that dynamic fantasy owners definitely want to know they want those touchdowns for Gurley again it just backs up not to well let's let's just beat the dead horse um touchdown production for a running back is opportunity driven if Todd Gurley was given those carries on the goal line chances are he'd have a touchdown or two but he doesn't Malcolm Brown does not because he's more skilled Um, I want to talk about the Saints defense for a minute huge year for Marcus Davenport we've talked about that quite a bit a 50 grade in week one including a 57.7 grade as a pass rusher outshone it's outshone right or outshined I mean, I would say outshone as opposed to outshone. Outshone? But I believe that's the word. Outshone? Yeah. That's definitely not right. I mean, that's definitely the way normal people it's pronounce it. Or outshone. No there's, there's just no way that that's pronounced outshone. How about this? A teammate who did better yes. was Trey Hendrickson, who may have emerged finally here as a pretty viable pass rusher 
four four pressures, two of which were sacks on 27 rushes. Either way, the Saints need guys like that getting after the QB. Against Laramie Turnstile? Ooh. Well, come on, dude. That was uh, That's Eric's. Eric's joke from this morning that I'm stealing. Laramie um, Turnstile. By the way, that also created One maybe... of them wasn't all his fault. He, Hendrickson jumped the snap on the sack. That created arguably my favorite tweet that Austin Gale has ever had, which is Hendrickson beat two first-round picks and a second-round pick on his way to the quarterback here. What a play. Oh, that was pretty good. Right? Yeah. That smart. <laughs> good job, Austin. Good tweet. I think, that's his, I think that's the best tweet he's ever come up with. That is good. Uh, Hendrickson was a guy that we um, that graded really well from us, for us out of Florida Atlantic. Ran a 4.65 at the Combine. Really good athleticism numbers. And you know only had about 600 snaps, and not even 600 snaps in his career coming into the season. So just keep an eye on him. He uh, took advantage of the turnstile. Yeah, Davenport hasn't exactly justified the, some might say, crazy trade. I mean, when him. Marcus Davenport is rushing against Laramie Tunsil, that's like a year's worth of, you know, first round draft capital against you. It's like 32 <laughs> first rounders going up against each other. Yeah. But he just has Davenport's worth the same thing. Right. He hasn't looked great yet. Yeah, he's been he's been last year he was good. He was good, not great. Last year. He was okay. Yeah, okay. I want more than okay if I'm throwing that kind of draft capital at it. Anything else you're looking for? Saints uh, defensively here. Mar- Marshawn Lattimore matching up on the outside. When he's got Brandon Cooks, Robert Woods. I think you know Lattimore every single week is must watch. He's the he's the guy. You know, good. It's I think it's so tough for good corners to just maintain yeah, yeah. good grades because they do get challenged right. against good receivers. You know, and you know that, I think that's kind of might be the story of Lattimore's career. They, I think, this will be an interesting game because the Rams are pretty good at finding weaknesses and going after them yeah you, know, you think scheming up repeated one-on-ones with anthony barr when they played the vikings last year the saints defense can be good but it's very obvious where the weak links are right obviously you've got Marshawn on like the, the saints secondary in particular is deployed in such a way right now that Marshawn Lattimore should never be targeted oh yeah why would you throw the ball he should be getting the namdi asamoah treatment of why would I even put the ball in his coverage? Stay away. When the other side is what it is? Because you've got Marshawn Lattimore, who looks like one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL. On the other side, you have Eli Apple, who very isn't. And then in the slot, you've got P.J. Williams, who even more isn't. <laughs> so why are you ever targeting Marshawn Lattimore? Even if he's tracking your number one receiver, I would say, okay, I am happy to sacrifice my number one receiver in order to be able to target P.J. Williams and Eli Apple all day. And that's what my game plan will be. You think I the Rams suspect are the that? Rams are better positioned than most teams to, to take that and say, all right, if that's what you want to do, this is what we'll do. Is that why you and I both chose the Rams? Sure. Is that why you chose the Rams? I mean, it, it's part of it, right? Have we revealed how much time we actually put into our picks? Probably. I mean, it's like 30 seconds. Do you take more than 30 seconds? No. And it's okay. It's just because it's just for fun. The analysis takes more time right. and research and, the, and all that stuff. Know, but green the lines picks, out there with the data. This the, is the just green us. lines get the real picks. Our picks, it's like, hey guys, here's a list. Just write down names, and I'm like, uh, right. Just go Who through. are you picking this week? Uh, yeah, just go through. Right. And every now and again, I'm like, oh, why did I do that? Mm. Yeah. But like, I'm glad I took Cleveland. Right. We take such little time in these things that we get to the podcast later in the day to record. And it's like, I picked who? Yeah. Who was it? I yeah. don't. I don't remember. So yeah, we're both taking the Rams in this okay. according to the. Uh, information that we typed in Mm. uh the other big game 
or one of the other big games here in week two, Minnesota Vikings at the Green Bay Packers. I always find the scheduling quirks funny. Wasn't it Minnesota at Green Bay week two last year as well? That was the tie. Yeah. Yeah. Like when you just have like Dallas and the Giants opening day. Well, they seem to like six to put, out of eight years or whatever. They seem it is. like to put the divisional games at the front and the back, right? And leave the middle for everything else. I think so. It's just funny when it's like, okay, it's the same venue, the same week, back-to-back years. Like out of all the scheduling algorithms, you couldn't have no repeats or something like that. Yeah, I don't know. It's just funny. Are they going to tie again? That's not funny. That's fun. I, I didn't laugh. It's been a long day. Um, I don't think they're going to tie just because most games don't. Um, hmm. I don't. I see. I seem to find myself constantly saying this about the Vikings, but their offensive line is going to be the reason they suck again. I've been saying this for like three years, and it remains true. Explain to the new listeners here because they just pounded the rock. They did. They just ran for a bunch of yards. They did. They had a perfect game in their mind. They only had to have ten official dropbacks, really like fifteen dropbacks, yes. whatever it was, right? With a few penalties in there, not even. That's a perfect game. They ran the ball like crazy. Obviously, the offensive line performed well. No. No, it didn't. See, here's the thing, right? A, a lot of different things can happen in the course of a running play, right? Uh, it can be well blocked and go for like minus three yards if the one guy that screwed it up it was bad enough, right? right? Five out of however many of your – every blocker except one guy can get it right. Overall, your team grade will be excellent for that play, but the – play can go for minus five yards because the right tackle whiffed and his guy met the running back at the handoff equally almost everybody can grade badly if the running back is able to weave find a hole make a guy miss use speed to get through a crease etc etc um and typically most plays fall somewhere in the middle right right some guys block well some guys don't and we figure out where it lands over the broad over large numbers a well-blocked team will have more rushing success than a team that's not blocking well even if the team that's not blocking well has a better talented running back but over small sample sizes over single games etc that isn't always the case sometimes running backs particularly i think ones that are built for speed and quickness and you know the ability to be shifty um, can turn some pretty ugly blocking into some pretty big plays and i think we saw a lot of that in this first week where dalvin cook is really good at finding those creases now there's a couple of things at play here. One, I think it might be easier to find those Dalvin Cook-style creases in a scheme that's running a lot of this outside zone, wide zone stuff, because even if guys are getting killed, giving up tons of penetration, tons of room, you're, you're spreading everything out. You're stretching it. Like these, are called, mm-hmm. these used to be called stretch plays, right. right? So you're automatically stretching everything into space and therefore kind of creating these little lanes so that even if they're not good lanes, a guy like Dalvin Cook with his speed and elus- elusivity and the ability to get skinny can kind of hit some of these gaps and rattle off big games, even though it was badly blocked. I can't wait to see, by the way, too, because intuitively, you know, we always talk about the play action game not being consistent. Mm-hmm. But when you look at the guys that are at the top of the play action game, it is a lot of people in the, the Shanahan Kubiak tree, right. right? And this year we're actually capturing what is the run concept when there's play action so it's one of those things like if you're starting a team from scratch like what are you going to run you know like what what what's your team going to look like even though the outside zone play or the wide zone play isn't necessarily the most efficient running play people love it though people love it 
I think the play action off of it yeah. is extremely effective. That's what, you know, that's what the Rams are doing and a few other teams. So that's the other piece of this. Once they do start opening things up in the pass game, if the Vikings are a 35% play action team, 45, 40%, I mean, you could see a big year for Kirk Cousins. So the passing game may still be fine, but my overall point, I, so tangentially, they might be okay anyway, even if the offensive line is bad. And I think the offensive line is bad inside. I think the tackles are okay, and okay is about as far as I'm willing to go on that. Brian O'Neill, Riley Reef, they're good. They're okay. Yeah, they're all right. They're probably not going to be the problem until you run into elite pass rushers. Right. When you run into elite pass rushers, they're going to be overmatched and they're boned, and there's nothing you can do about that. But they should be okay for most of the season. The interior does not look good. Um, rookie Garrett Bradbury kind of played terribly. Um, I think he'll figure it out. I mean, this is probably where he's supposed to be. But this division is a nightmare to be a young center. Yeah. Um, when you look at who they have to go up against. And then Pat Elfline looks every bit as bad at guard as he did at center, so I don't know if that one's going to work out either. Now, that was enough of a problem when you went up against the Falcons and all you had to deal with was Grady Jarrett. Now, Grady Jarrett abused both those guys and some more guys and had a really good game, even though the Falcons' defense got gashed overall because he's one guy. But now you're going up against the Green Bay defense, and that front is way better than the Falcons' defensive front. For a start, you've got Kenny Clark right in the middle, who's every bit as good as Grady Jarrett. But then you've got other players as well that are actually imposing uh, guys on that defense as well. So the point I'm making is that the the Vikings were able to win in spite of this offensive line performance, the interior offensive line performance in week one. Week two is a very different test for that group. And if they're still playing at that level, there are going to be problems. So there was a, a lot of questions coming out of week one, right? is it the Bears offense? Is it the Packers defense? Yeah. So the Packers defense, they deserve credit. You know, I I thought, I thought that they were going to be better last year immediately because they got Mike Patton. I think a lot of people did. You're like, all right, Dom Capers, he had a good run in Green Bay for a while. They had some good defenses, some not, but sometimes you just need that, you know, change. You just need a, a new, a new guy, right? And they had invested heavily in the secondary. Patton comes in last year and they had their ups and downs. But this looks like, with their defensive fronts, the two Smiths coming in, Preston and Zadarius, both guys combined for 16 pressures against the Bears. So even though I think a big part of their success was Mitch Trubisky missing passes yeah. overall, and I don't want to give them too much credit, you have to give them They pressure the quarterback. Jair Alexander made a couple plays on the ball. Adrian Amos had that beautiful interception. Of course, do you blame Trubisky? But you still have to be in position. You make the play. So they've got some pieces there, absolutely. And you mentioned that defensive front, the two Smiths, Kenny Clark up front, who's emerging as one of the better nose tackles in the NFL. So, yeah, this is going to be a good battle in the trenches. And if Green Bay does dominate up front, it's another one of those games where Dalvin Cook has to pull some special runs, you know, out of nowhere. Or we see what we saw last year. This is when Kirk Cousins back in week two was hot under pressure and he was getting hit and making special throws down the field. He's got to have another game like that if they're going to put some points up against this Green Bay defense. Yeah, um, and the thing that kind of flew under the radar in week one because the Vikings had their way on the ground and were able to run the ball is Kirk Cousins actually dropped some dimes in there. Like he he barely needed to pass, but when he did, he did some things. It wasn't like he just you know added those extended handoff plays when he was asked to pass. He actually threw some really nice uh, plays 
And we kind of saw this last year that Cousins started the season on fire and then went in the tank as the season went on. I mean, if if the offensive line struggles again, he's he's going to need to have a big game. But the other thing is, it's not going to struggle just in the run game. Like they're going to give a pressure as well, which right. completely changes everything. And that's why I'm saying it's it's one of those it's a crapshoot, right? Like if he makes great throws under pressure, like he did in the first seven or eight games last year, yeah, okay, Vikings compete. If he doesn't, right, which you know it's a lower percentage chance that he does, then they're then they're in trouble. Um, I think on the other side of the ball, um, Aaron Rodgers was not good in his first game last week in that scheme. There was some nice things. He had that deep bomb, 51-plus yards in the air. Um, the other thing, you know, using the PFF data and all that stuff, as far as, like, throw-by-throw throw accuracy, Rogers one of the worst in the league last week, but not necessarily in catchable pass rate, but actually, you know, just where he was putting the ball on his receivers. Was he putting it into optimum catch-and-run opportunities? All that type of stuff. He was just he's just a little off from an accuracy standpoint. But you know he's always capable. But last last week was one of those games. He had a fumble. He had a bad chuck back across his body into coverage. Rare. And um, the touchdown to Jimmy Graham was very much a jump ball where Jimmy Graham did all the work. Yeah. So albeit having seen that he had a free play on that. He knew he had a free play. Yeah. That's fine. But, you know, we try to balance you know, actually throwing the ball in a spot where your receiver has a better shot at it right. versus anything that we chart essentially as a jump ball, we're saying has like a 15 to 20% chance of getting caught. If he, if it does get caught, in theory, you got lucky mm-hmm. or you found a really, really good matchup. But even then, it's still a 15 to 20% shot. Yeah. Maybe it's up. Maybe I mean, it's 25 if yeah. it's Jimmy Graham against the, someone else. The credit to him on that play is understanding how to free play and basically right. just giving Jimmy Graham a shot at it. That's yep. but that's as far as you go, right? It's not like an amazing play because he threw a ball that only Jimmy Graham could catch. He didn't. He threw a ball that if Jimmy Graham hadn't caught, the DB was about to catch because it was heading for his face. Right. Uh, so there's um, yeah. I mean, there's there's room for improvement there with Rodgers. We've seen him have games like this in the past. He started his 2016 season with some poor games. This was his worst grade since I think it was week four or five in 2016. Yeah, against Dallas, and that was the year that he turned it around. So, um, how much of that everybody was debating was it preseason rust? Is it the new scheme? Is it just hey, it's Rodgers? Who knows? You, know, you just have games like this. I think you just it's, you just have games like this. But it's a challenge going up against this Vikings defense. Anytime you go up against Zimmer, he's tough. Yeah, I mean the defense looked looked good. It looked arguably back to its best. Cornerback uh, is still a potential issue, though. Xavier Rhodes. Kind of answered a lot of the questions about him, at least in week one. We Xavier. You know, we did a, a video asking, is it time to get concerned based off last year, based off what we saw in preseason? I guess not. He looks a lot better. Now, the idea that he single-handedly shut down Julio Jones is kind of silly. When you look at it, that's not really what happened. Um, but he did pretty well. And he particularly stuck to him like glue on anything in-breaking. You know, they run those digs a lot with Julio, those over routes. And Xavier Rhodes was in his pocket every time they did that. Now there were some plays that were you know, longer developing hitches or deep routes where you could see some space and, and Julio got some separation, but the Falcons didn't have time to throw those routes in that game. So they weren't a factor, uh, but he certainly looked way better than we've seen. Uh, Mackenzie Alexander got banged up in that game. Trey Waynes remains Trey Waynes. So there's still question marks in that secondary though. Anthony Harris may be legit at safety. He made some big plays. Right. He probably won't be able to do that two weeks. I mean, he's not going to make two picks every week, but the, the 
length of evidence we have that suggests he's actually a very good player is growing. Oh, yeah. He's, he's definitely made some plays back there with Harrison Smith. Have you seen uh, Marquez Valdez Scantling's uh, his line? No. He had four catches for 52 yards. He also had that 47-yarder. So he had the 47-yard bomb hmm. and then had five yards on his other three catches. That's still better than Dante Moncrief. Oh, gosh, he was terrible. Uh, but but he, MVS, as they call him, when you combine him and his speed and his ability to stretch the field, and if he's running the right routes this year, you know he was not on the same page with Rodgers last year, combine him with Devontae Adams, what he's doing. I don't know if Jimmy Graham's really a middle-of-the-field threat. You know, he drew a, drew a holding penalty on Roquan Smith. I mean, he could... He can still do some things in the middle of the field. Of course, caught the jump ball. But those are three pretty good weapons. Yeah. Had Aaron Jones coming out of the back. So Rodgers well. didn't play well. But the one thing I think that was encouraging is that he did put the ball in the middle of the field more than he usually does. Right. He did seem to be prepared to take some kind of risk with the ball, which he hasn't done in previous seasons. So I don't want to say it's necessarily encouraging because he didn't play that well. But there are some things that he hasn't done for a while that he started to show in that game which is a good thing if he can get his general level of play back. Anything else to add on the game? No. I am. I picked the Packers. We both picked the Packers. I, w- I want to ask you, is it last year? I don't know if it was a – it wasn't so much a shootout. It did go to overtime and all that stuff. But is this a defensive struggle, or do you think this is one of, like a 31-28 to 28 game? Uh, I, uh, I don't know. Somewhere in the middle, I suspect. I think the Vikings offense is going to struggle because that line – I don't know whether the, the Green Bay defense is going to struggle. I think that's going to depend, determine whether it's a close game or if the Packers pretty much stomp them. Um, one thing we didn't touch on, Rodgers took five sacks. Yeah, and we the line wasn't great blocking on those particular plays, but he's always still a tick long holding yeah. the ball. Um, I'm expecting closer to a defensive struggle. Okay. I mean, for whatever that's worth in today's NFL. Right. So we're both taking Green Bay in this one. And as we said, in every big division game, especially on the road, last year this is the game this is why this is the week kirk cousins this is why you pay him the big money this This is is it right you got to go into green bay you got to go into chicago yeah this is the game forget about detroit but you got to go in there yeah and win games this is the game he's supposed to be winning for them because he got that money that's just kidding money just kidding lions fans you guys are oh oh and one you're right in the mix so these are the games that you pay kirk cousins the big money yeah right Mm -hmm. or sometimes you pay him the big money Throws 10 times. All right, let's go rapid fire as much as we possibly can. Jacksonville Jaguars at the Houston Texans. Yeah. Minshew. Mustache Minshew takes over. Did we drop the stat? I mean, he had three incompletions officially. Yeah. The other day, two of which were dropped. Uh-huh. One was batted at the line of scrimmage. Yeah. So that means every pass that actually made it to a target was catchable. Right. His incom- or his interception hit Leonard Fournette like in the face yeah he shouldn't be uh catching the ball did you know that his grandfather wanted to call him Beowulf I did not he was almost Beowulf Minshew unbelievable isn't it (laughs) that would have only made the legend a little bit better right yeah they also don't know he's Gardner Minshew the second and they have no idea why he's the second because his dad is like Flint or something hmm so fascinating. There's a couple of Minshew uh, nuggets. I Isn't think. it perfect that he got paired with Mike Leach at Washington State? Like, yes. Yes, it is. It was almost like he takes this roundabout way through Juco, wherever he went, East Carolina and all that stuff. And it's like, oh, I've got my perfect. But mix. also didn't like didn't Mike Leach like seek him out? He had to phone him up. He was like buried on like Alabama's death chart or something, wasn't he? And he was then everywhere. Mike Leach like called him up and was like, hey, 
you could he played at East Carolina, right? But I think he was going to before that. I think he he he'd wound up. I think it was Alabama. Maybe I'm making that up. But he, he was be. he was buried on somebody's depth chart, and they're like, "Sure, you could go sit there and not play, or you could come here and throw for like five thousand yards." Whatever He's you're like, right, suggesting right now is illegal. I'm if just, he was buried on somebody's depth look, chart and Mike Leach called him up, that I, is, I've read some things. The college uh, equivalent of tampering. Okay. Well, all right. Then allegedly called him up. Okay. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> I look, I've read some articles. I didn't pay that much attention to the salient details, but that's, that sounded what it, like what it was. That's how Mike Leach gets things done. Supposedly, he just many years ago called up Donald Trump and said, hey, let's hang out. And then they became good friends. Okay. He was like, hey, well, look, it's a future President Trump. I'm a fan. Everybody works in the digital age now. You're glued to your you know, cell phone. You're, you're only operating through text. Mike, Mike just phones people up and gets stuff done. I love it. Just just call people you want to talk to and hang out with. What are you looking for in this Jaguars-Texans game besides Beowulf? <laughs> well, this is uh, Nuke versus Jalen Ramsey again. Oh, I love it. Now, Twice a year, every Nuke time. Nuke didn't play well in week one. He was dropping the ball and stuff, which doesn't yeah. tend to happen. Doesn't mean he can't make plays because right. you saw him make plays. But those two going back and forth all game is just fun because they're both physical. They both just like to beat each other up. It reminds me a lot of, do you remember when Richard Sherman played Brandon Marshall a few years ago? Yeah. And Brandon Marshall, I think, is the only receiver I've ever seen basically just physically dominate Richard Sherman. Um, but that's what these two look like every time they go up against each other. It's just like violence. I thought that was like Richard Sherman against um, Des Bryant a couple of years ago, too. Because like when you get those two good guys, and it truly is this one-on-one matchup, you just sometimes you get some wins on one side, you get wins on the yeah. other side. And the thing is, if you're an official in this game, you basically just have to go, you know what, I can't throw a flag today because yeah, go. it would be a flag every play. Somebody's getting flagged every play, if not both of them. So, you know what, until somebody gets like tackled to the ground, I'm just going to let it go. I want to see the um, Texans coverage. Uh, they just released Aaron Colvin. He got torched on Monday night. Does that seem hasty to you? <sighs> Maybe like, a little He bit. made at least two pretty bad mistakes in that game. Having said that, you did just commit like fairly significant money to him, and he's not like a terrible player. Like, to what extent is that cutting off your nose to spite your face? Well, what else? Yeah, like what else do you have? Right. To it's like okay, now point? I've now we've we've made the point that everybody's accountable. If you screw up, your job's done. You're out of here. But now you're like okay, fine. Now what's the plan? So my question is: This was my concern with Houston a year ago, and why we kept coming out here saying, "Ah, eh, they're not as good as their record." The secondary hashtag: How hard could it be? How hard could it be? They're well, making it they're really making tough. They're making really, it look really, really tough. They're making it look difficult, um, despite Deshaun Watson at quarterback. So, yeah, the secondary we thought would be an issue last year. You get most of the season of Kareem Jackson just playing well above his skis, right out of nowhere, having a career year. So is this an issue or is this, hey, we just ran into Drew Brees in the dome? Because outside of Drew Brees, yeah. terrible one interception that he threw, which was just a bad decision. Yeah. I mean, they got torched. Also, did they get torched because they decided to run a three-man rush more than any team in the league? Mm-hmm. And yeah. when you do that against a great quarterback who takes his time. But- and your typically dominant edge rusher got stoned at the line by Ryan Ramchick every play. Yeah, and how much of that's because you're rushing three and, you know, you just, you know, you got help inside and you got all these other right. things going on. Um, by the way, you know, a lot of people hate the three-man rush. Yeah. But, like, only against good quarterbacks. Like, good quarterback. We, we criticized Stafford for this a couple years ago. He would, like, get to the top of the drop. It's a three-man rush, and he's just getting rid of it. It's like a good, experienced quarterback. It's like, oh, you're rushing three? Let me take my time. 
I'm going to let routes on cover and all that stuff. That's what happened with Breeze. So I think the Texans need to uh, switch it up a little bit. Yeah. So much for rapid fire. I'm just I'm I'm amazed that that was the answer. Is all right. You got roasted so bad that you're cut, even though yeah, that's it's costing us seven and a half million that's or whatever odd. it is to do that. And then we were we were talking. I can't, I never looked up the Stafford. There was Stafford plays in 2013 where he made two spectacular throws in a game against Dallas. But I think Watson's back-to-back throws, probably the best back-to-back throw sample we've ever seen. I mean, just as far as timing, everything about it was awesome. So what you saw on Monday night was pretty spectacular. Watson's got to protect himself a little bit better in this one. But we're all taking Houston. You're talking what was about- his uh, official medical problem? It was like a bruised ass. Was that what it was? Yeah. So here's the other thing. That's his own fault. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, that's I mean, him diving into yes, the end zone. He flipped He's, into the end zone, landed on his ass, and apparently bruised it or whatever. There's a there's a fine line between nice 21-yard touchdown and like, hey, we got to start protecting you. And you got to start protecting yourself. Yeah. He's got to protect himself. It's not just the offensive line in Houston. He holds the ball too long. Sure. And then you have plays like the game, what should have been the game winner, where he buys time against a free rusher and makes a spectacular throw. Yeah. He's got to find that balance uh-huh. in Houston. But we're all taking the Texans. Yeah. The San Francisco 49ers and our friend Bobby Slowick are coming to town to play the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah. Have we invited Bobby to the new office? I don't think so. When do they get in? Saturday? Uh, yeah. It's, I mean, he doesn't have the time for that kind of thing. We can he? have him come by, watch some college football. Think they have meetings? Probably. <sighs> so here's my question. Hold on. Bobby's on the offense now? Yeah. Jimmy G doesn't look good since Bobby's. Well, this is where I was going, right? Oh, sorry. Does does we Jimmy do, G yeah. actually suck? I mean, I know that's where you're going. I see your notes, but right. do we blame Bob? I mean, I'm not saying Bob's the, the reason. I'm just saying, I'm just asking the question right now. Plus, Goff wasn't good in week one. Is that Zach's fault? I, hmm. Are we ruining <laughs> NFC West offenses one at a time? Systematically sending players to the NFL <laughs> and then ruining the teams that they go to? I wouldn't blame that. That would be unfortunate. That wouldn't look great for our uh for our you know career advancement. Yeah. Um then I'll prospects. never get another interview. No, you're you've you got no chance if that gets out. I'll I'll never get that another defensive coordinator interview. Yeah, the, uh, the Hornsby coaching tree is not looking tremendously successful well, right maybe now. Maybe he's like Belichick. He's just so uh Right, unless you have the game unless you have the ability to craft the individual game plans, you can never take the system anywhere. Maybe that's what it is. You're saying Hornsby has just this crazy genius about him that nobody can duplicate i'm just i'm just presenting the evidence to people well hopefully the pff guys bounce back Uh, jimmy g's got to play a cleaner game of football why is he not why is he playing badly right now he's been playing bad for a while it was it was uh, a short pass game a conservative pass game i think i think he'll be okay i don't know how much how far removed are we from, you know, like ACLs and stuff, like really being an issue? You know how you used to always used to always hear, well, a guy needs another year. Yeah. Right? Guy comes off an ACL, and then the next year, he's just getting back and all that stuff. D- did we forget about that? Is it just easier to do? Is it just because, especially for quarterbacks, it's easier to pass? You don't have that transition? Because Carson Wentz did it last year, and there were times where he just didn't look right or as good, but overall, he was fine. Or, you know, are we just... Are our expectations too high? It's like, oh, he's back. He's fine. Uh, I don't know. Having never torn an ACL, I'm not in a great position to comment. It, it feels is. like ACLs have become a relatively routine injury unless there, it's an ACL as part of something else, right? Yeah. Like if you tear multiple ligaments or if you tear the ACL and meniscus and wreck something else, that's a problem. But if you just tear an ACL, you spend like 
the rehab for those things used to be a full year. Then it became nine months. Now people are coming back in six months. Like by nine months, you're like a hundred percent rocking again. If if it would feel weird for that to be the reason he's playing like crap right now, particularly as it's not like he was playing that well before he tore his ACL. He wasn't playing well last year before he got hurt. Right. And we were already kind of asking the question, did we get carried away with the big money deal based off the really small sample size he had between New England and San Francisco that, you know, when they first got him, did we already make a mistake? And now it's now he's coming back and playing even worse. So the other piece of of PFF data, we have to just wonder how sustainable is this? It's kind of the opposite of Jameis. He has a eh, kind of similar, though, a ton of positive grades in that stretch run in 2017, which is a little bit more volatile. It's a little bit more scheme driven, um, but he does avoid his negative throws extremely well. If you start chipping away at some of those positives, if you're just not getting guys open as as frequently as they did then things can go south. And then it becomes this conservative um, Alex Smithy type of pass game and outside of the pick six. Yeah. You know, that that wasn't great. Um, so I think there's just... Here's where I've gone back and forth on Jimmy G throughout his career. There are times when he just looks slow to process. And even last year he had this as well. He takes sacks that he shouldn't take. He takes big hits that he shouldn't take. And he's just slow to process, even though he's got this lightning quick release. It's kind of like a better version of Cody Kessler. Like you should be this uber game manager, intermediate passing type guy that can, you know, carve teams up up to 20 yards. But if you're going to take extra sacks and just, you know, take hits that you're not supposed to hit, take, you can't fulfill that potential. He's also so I think to- it's processing. He's also starting to look a lot more inaccurate than I think everybody thought he was to begin his career. Right. He's missing a lot more routine throws than he should. He's just not playing well. Like, just across the board, Jimmy G is not playing well. And that's unideal for a team that's he's supposed to be the reason, you know, the answer to their quarterback situation. Well, we'll see how he bounces back in Cincinnati. I want to see this Bengals pass rush at home. Because they had the number five pass rush grade last week in Seattle. The whole story last year, I like to always compare to last year because sometimes, you know, injuries happen and all that stuff. But last year, we thought they were a top two, three, four defensive line coming into the year. And this year, I think they've got that type of potential. And, you know, they've got, you know, um, Geno Atkins, of course, getting after the quarterback with five pressures. Sam Hubbard had four. Carl Lawson didn't even have his best game. He had three on, on only 13 rushes. Um Carlos Dunlap has just been quietly productive really for good. quite yeah. a while. Right. I was thinking that as he was making plays on Sunday, I'm like, this guy has been around forever, and he is just so consistently solid year in, year out. So, I mean, I think that's at home. You know, you get that little yeah. bit of an advantage. When we called against. out this idea that this defense last year dramatically underachieved. Oh, big and time. Though they didn't hire Steve Palazzolo as a defensive coordinator. They did not. Simply hiring anybody again other than what they had, would have should have made propel them in the right direction. Some improvement. Can we just jump back for a sec? How many games does Jimmy G have playing like he has, playing like he played week one before you ask the question whether Nick Mullins is actually a better quarterback for this team right now? Oh, gosh. Um, that's got to be an extended period of time. And it's not just because of the investment. How many? Like five, six. Five or six? Yeah. Playing that badly? You let it go that long? I mean, playing that bad. I mean, three or four, I guess. Three max, right? Three. Playing that badly, yeah. yeah. But I'm not expecting that. That wasn't your question, though. So three games playing that badly. Yeah. Okay. Um, I thought the Cincinnati offense was very intriguing. 
John Ross making something of him um, makes you think, you know, when Boyd and you get when you have Boyd and AJ Green and John Ross. Yeah. What's that going to look like? The thing their issue is that this team, this team is trapped in a scheme where they need to get the ball out of Andy Dalton's hands as fast as humanly possible because they know full well that they can't hold up in pass protection for more than like two seconds. Right. So that's fine because that can definitely function and it can mitigate uh, bad pass protection. But the problem is that there are ways to screw with that. So if you're a defense and you start messing with receivers at the line, you start delaying the pass in any way, shape, or form, now you have a win every single time you rush the passer. And press man on the outside with Sherm, right? Uh, Witherspoon who bounced back, reroute receivers, and you got Nick Bosa and D four problems. Now you've got edge rusher, you've got DeForest Buckner, you've got a lot of guys that can get after the quarterback now. And if they do, if they can slow them up just a little bit, the Bengals have problems. Yeah, I want to see those pass rushers, Bosa and Ford against uh, Bobby Hart and Andre Smith. Uh, yeah, <sighs> yeah. Who you got in this one? Uh, San Francisco. Who do I have while you're over there? You have also San Francisco. I do? Yeah. Why did we both do that? I don't know. You better be right that Jimmy D doesn't play that bad again. Otherwise, we're both wrong. That's our home team. All right. Los Angeles Chargers traveling to the Detroit Lions. It's the 1-0 Chargers. It is. Against the 0-0-1 Lions. It is. The Hunter Henry-less Chargers. We just did a whole uh, video on Hunter Henry. A little 15-minute, whatever it was. Tyler Eifert. Yeah. Um, I would like to see what can Melvin Eckler, yeah. uh, as he shall here for, henceforth be known, do against a team that's actually designed to stop the run. Obviously, we saw what he could do week one, but now he's going up against the Lions and all they care about is stuff in the run. So can he still get it done when you roll up against a Matt Patricia-led run stuff in defense? That's, that's what good. I'm looking for. Yeah, against those, those big guys up front. I'm always trying to see what the O-line's going to do. Not much. Foot the Chargers. Because it's bad. We did a um, PFF mailbag this week, and one of the questions was, are the Chargers the worst offensive line in the NFL? I said, no, only sixth worst, yeah, or whatever it was after. It was like third in pass block, third worst in pass blocking, eighth worst in run blocking, or vice versa. Either way, it was, I mean, they're bad. Yeah, but we terrible. talked about it on Monday. It's it's worse there are in more, other places. There are more horrendous offensive lines in the league right now than i maybe yeah. ever seen. Like there are three or four teams where in any normal season they would be by far the worst offensive line in the league, and there's like four, yeah. four of them now. I'm always I'm so intrigued. I don't know if there's a more intriguing quarterback in the NFL year over year than Matthew Stafford. I mean, just watching his game again. I was rewatching it uh, earlier today. I mean, there are some throws where it's like I got a guy in my face. I'm just going to flick it. I get it out there to T.J. Hawkinson. There's other plays where he knows how to create movement in the pocket, and then he's got in our world, a minus two throw, you know, the worst grade that we can give late to the sideline in overtime for essentially what should have turned the tie into a game-winning field goal opportunity for the Cardinals. He has that. He has a bad fumble in the pocket. Fumbles have been an issue for him over the last couple of years, just ball security in the pocket. But, man, I just go back and forth all the time. It's like, here's an easy miss. Here's a special throw. Here's, you know, I had always interested in what Stafford's going to do. So hey, watching his development as in this scheme here. A potentially fun one-on-one matchup in this one is Keenan Allen against Darius Slay. Ooh, yeah, that is good. Um, Slay is one of the most consistent top cornerbacks in the NFL. He may not be one of he may not be one of the very very best, 
but he's probably more consistent than any other top cornerback in the NFL right now. And the Lions will play a lot of man. Yes. Um, um, Keenan Allen has one of the top releases off the yes. line of scrimmage of any receiver in the game. It's him, Adam Thielen, and Devontae uh, Adams, I think, are the three best at that. So those two going one-on-one for any extended period is fun. It's going to be a good week to go back and watch. Nuke versus Ramsey, Slay versus Keenan Allen. I'll say one more thing. A couple throws that Stafford had to Hawkinson, it just felt like, hey, things are going sour. Let me throw it up to my new big tight end. I oh, think no. you're starting to already see that we got, trust factor. We got Calvin Johnson syndrome again. Might see that. Might see. Throw it up to Hawk. How about a quick break? Let's do it. Talk about our friends over at Manscaped. Yes. That's what we want to break for. That's that's who's supporting the podcast today. Manscaped, number one in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels, Sam. They do. They do. Do you have any good manscaping stories to add to the mix here? Uh, not since the last time. Um, I have used the plow. Yes. The pl- was it the, it's just a plow, right? It's, yes. it's a lawnmower 2.0. Lawnmower 2.0 is, has pr- proprietary skin-safe technology, so this trimmer won't nick or snag your nuts. Yeah. That's the lawnmower 2.0. So I have used the plow, which is essentially an old-fashioned safety razor, like, you know, those vintage yep. old things with the, like, dome top. But I haven't used it on my family jewels. I have simply used it to, like, neck grooming. It fit, that seems going to work your way down well, when necessary. I, I mean, it just seemed risky to go straight for the nuts with it, right? So that's why they redesigned Lawnmower 2.0, redesigned the whole right. like, But the plow, the plow hasn't been redesigned yet. That still feels like a risky enterprise to go right in there. I think you've got to work your way up to that. That's like an expert level landscaping tool. So you've got to start off with the, you know, like you start off with rookie level and you go to all pro, all Madden or whatever later on. I don't, you can't jump straight in to the plow. Because they sent us the whole the whole thing of goodies here. Right, like a whole kit. And I like the fact, you know, they added the crop preserver. Yes. That's your anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. Yeah. So you add that to the mix as well. And guess what? You get 20, 20% off plus free shipping with the promo code PFF at manscaped.com. They do a very nice uh, wash bag as well. Got a nice little, you know, travel case for all your stuff. Yeah. That's very nice. Quick break to tell you guys about NFL Game Pass, the only way that you can replay every game all season long. You can relive all the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stars from every game every week. It's all the action, all the football you can handle, all in one place. So every game that we're talking about right now, you guys can rewatch it after the fact. I'm going to be going back, and you guys can too. Go check out Lamar Jackson in week one. Go check out Dak Prescott and what that Cowboys offense actually did go check out kyler murray and his nfl debut that's my favorite thing about nfl game pass you can go back and watch at any time and if you haven't watched a condensed game yet you have to try it out it's every play from the game back to back to back so you can replay an entire nfl game in the fraction of the time it normally takes it's how i'm able to follow all the mvp candidates all the breakout stars and of course your waiver wire pickups all season long to see all the action this season and stay on top of all the big storylines, you need NFL Game Pass. Best of all, you can kick off the 2019 NFL season with a seven-day free trial of NFL Game Pass. Just sign up now at NFL.com slash NFL. Next game we get a breakdown is the Indianapolis Colts at the Tennessee Titans. Took you a while to get that one. It was like a slow burn. Well, my head's in. Let's let's get through the uh, the rest <laughs> of the games now. It's out of manscape mode. Yeah, I'm back, back to the football. Okay. Back to focus. All right, fair enough. PFF promo code manscapes.com. Mm-hmm. Nice. Um, 
For this game, I'm curious how that Tennessee defensive line does against an offensive line that's better than the Browns were able to put out there last yeah. week. Um, you know, Cameron Wake remains like phenomenal. The way he's ended up aging into this perfect role where he's not no longer an every down player. They've sort of eased him back into this situational pass rusher gig, and he's still absurd as a situational pass rusher. Like he's a top 10 pass rusher in the NFL probably, and now he doesn't have to do any of that run defending crap. It's like, no, look. He had one out of chill. 24 snaps against the run. Right. It's like, so, you, yeah. no, you chill on the sideline. We don't need you to defend the run. You're going to come out there on third and long, and you're going to get after the quarterback. And by the way, happy Christmas, because the start, the guy you're going up against is like a fourth-string guard who has to play right tackle. That's, that was Dwight Freeney the last like three or four years. Right. He was just like hired, hired gun mm-hmm. as a pass rusher. And it, it works. Those guys that are career-long, uh, high-end pass rushers, when you ask them, okay, you say, you, you don't have to worry about the run anymore. Just go out there, get after the quarterback, pull out your best stuff 25 times a game. Like it maximizes what they can do, whether it's Freeney, whether it was Julius Peppers became that for a couple of years, um, and now Cameron Wake. It's a great addition to that Titans D. All right. I want to see the Titans defense in general. I, we, we've seen flashes, right? They have They have pieces. They've got a pretty good secondary. You mentioned the additions from a pass rushing standpoint. They've got some athletic linebackers to roll out there. And I think they scheme it up pretty well at times, right? They have games where it's like, man, they're just keeping teams off balance. I thought they did a pretty good job against the Browns. I just want to see some consistency from this Tennessee defense as much as we say, now the offense dictates things. If this becomes a defense that's just making life difficult on opposing offenses week after week, and they're as, you know, they continue their little mediocre stretch on offense. But they, you know, with the emergence of an AJ, we'll talk about the receivers in a second. We'll talk about Corey Davis in a minute. But I want to see how this Tennessee defense, you know, responds after last week's really good performance. Yeah, and this is actually an intriguing game. We had um, Corey Davis watch isn't yeah future Hall of Famer isn't going well. How many shy of a thousand career catches is he now? Almost a thousand, huh. actually. Okay, so um, trying to look it up That's right now. It's going to be a problem. Uh, premium adds in the playoffs. He had like seven in the playoffs. I mean, we're like, it's like well, you, you may like need that in the playoffs if you've got any shot of making that. It's at 108. Yeah. yeah. You know, a, a donut last week's not helpful. No, no it's, it's not. It's not helping. Particularly when that cause. opened up the, uh, the the plays that A.J. Brown made. Yeah, our guy Mike Renner wrote an article this week, and he was tweeting at me. He found me yeah. on Twitter and was like saying, hey, I think A.J. Brown looks like the number one. Sorry, Steve, it's not Corey Davis. Yeah. But maybe that's what Corey needs. Well, a true number one to emerge on one side that so he can get the the high volume number two reps or uh, opportunities and targets. Okay. The good news is that he had many more snaps than A.J. Brown. Yeah. So the Titans haven't caught on yet to the fact that he's not their number one receiver. A.J. Brown could have caught more if Mariota didn't, you know, miss him. So anyway, the my big questions for the Titans coming in this year. Marcus Mariota is that classic mid-tier quarterback that we've been talking about. If everything around him is good, he could put up good numbers. Having a 75-yard screen from Derrick Henry, that helps yeah. the numbers. That's one way to do it. Having A.J. Brown emerge as a number one caliber receiver. We'll see. It's still early. Played 25 snaps. But A.J. Brown, Adam Humphreys, who didn't get targeted a ton, but he's still there you know, as a, as a slot option. Corey Davis maybe settles in as this you know, possession number two. The pieces might be there for a lot of injury. I mean, this is like the story of the Titans. A lot of pieces are there, 
can they put it together every week? Delaney Walker forcing forcing himself back into the the mix. Yeah, I mean, so there's a lot there's a lot to like here. Tennessee can go two and zero. Jacoby Brissett, by the way, did play a, a solid game. Yeah, the other day, just didn't miss a ton. Um, I think it's still going to be a question of can he make those big time throws when needed? Because T. Y. Hilton took that short pass and was like, "Wow, yeah, how did he impressive. have that?" Game tying touchdown, essentially. Um, I'm taking Tennessee as you are yeah. as well. All right. Do we have to New England Patriots at the Miami Dolphins? This is easy, rapid fire. But uh, <laughs> the Dolphins are five and one in Miami over the last six years against the they Patriots. Are. Weird stuff happens. But what is this line now? It's like 19 points. Yeah, it's a lot. Like that's insane. Is that? I mean, I am. We should really ask these things to uh, Eric well, and George. The Patriots have had lines like that before well they've had lines i've they've had lines like 14 and 16 but no they've been up and a half um who was killing teams a couple years ago too was there a Peyton team i don't think the 13 Bron. i think the 2013 broncos played the jags when they were terrible that year like what's the biggest like the low yeah what's the biggest regular season line i think i've seen 21 or 22 because 18 and a half is like the 07 patriots had a point where their lines were going from like 13 like 10 11 12 to like 17, 18, 19, 20 yeah. at one point. And then they stopped covering the right. 07 Pats. They started playing tight games down the stretch. Um, so, yeah, we don't know the answer. Hmm. But um, okay. can I say this? I don't think – I think this is one of those games where the Patriots aren't nearly as dominant as what the Ravens showed. And then people are like, wow, look how good the Ravens did. I Honestly, I'm, I hate saying this because I don't want to take anything away from what Lamar did. <laughs> but there were plays where Miami was so stacked at the line of scrimmage – Yeah. That they said that it was like they spent the whole offseason trying to stop Lamar Jackson in the run game, which again it goes to our analysis of Lamar Jackson. That's going to happen to give him opportunities. Right. So credit him for that. I think it was Paul Alexander, the old uh, offensive line coach, who was tweeting out that what happened is they didn't actually run Lamar much. Um, you know, there weren't was there no design runs. There was like four scrambles. I think I it think. was one. Okay, whatever it was very small number of designed Lamar Jackson carries. Yep. But what they did is every single carry was like option mechanics, right? Right. And what that forced Miami to do is to then play assignment football, which right. is one guy's got Lamar, one guy's got the dive, one guy's got the pitch. So now we've already got three guys dedicated to one run. And that's not even account- like not even accounting for all the gaps that we have right. to fill as well. Right. So they were basically playing run defense with eight, nine guys every single play, at which point everybody on the back end is in man coverage. Now you've got Minka matched up one-on-one with Marquise Brown, who runs way okay. faster than him. Yeah. So that because they basically declared their intentions every single play to just play that assignment defense for the option, the the passing game all day was one-on-one on the outside. Right. And that's a problem. Now but, the Patriots won't do that because they don't have a Lamar Jackson as an option threat. So that part doesn't exist, right? They're not going to see the same kind of looks that the Ravens saw all day. So the question is, how do they expose an extremely sketchy Miami defense? Yeah, and I think, you know, this is one of those. You've had Belichick disciples. you got Brian Flores there that have given the Patriots offense some trouble. I'm always fascinated by that. you get got the guys in the building who might know how to slow down the Patriots offense. Yeah. So intrigued by that matchup. I do think on the other side, it's not a close. It shouldn't be a close game just because... Miami's offense shouldn't be able to do anything against New England's defense, who's uh-huh. really good. I mean, the Pats' defense might come; they might be two weeks in and giving up ten points, you know, through two games. You know, that's that's a realistic possibility. I just I don't know yet if like the Patriots' offense struggles a little bit because I don't think Miami's defense is nearly as bad as what they showed. 
like Mika Fitzpatrick's not a bad player. Eric Rowe's not a bad player. They were bad. No, it's just a bad matchup. Yeah. So, um, you know, week two always looks a little different from week one. I, I tweeted that out today. Huh. People forget that. Incisive. They think whatever you see in week one, it will just carry over to week two. And then yeah, crazy I mean, a stuff big happens. part of week one is not overreacting to everything we just saw. Yeah. So Having said that, my, yeah, well, we're do, talking about Miami and tank mode and right. all that stuff. I do kind of wonder just how out of hand this game could get. I just think that their offensive tank mode is doing much better than their defensive tank mode. I mean, I, despite what we saw last right. week. Right. I think both sides of the ball kind of suck. All right. So we're both, taking the wing one. Both Let's, sides of the ball for the Patriots kind of don't. So this should be. Pretty out of control. But crazy things happen in Miami. They do. Like Miami miracles. But Watch this, out. This would be really crazy. I will say the Patriots' Hail Mary defense probably is better this year. Right. No Gronk. Yeah. Upgrade. Yeah. Josh Gordon probably taking a spot yeah. out there. Hope he's doing tackling drills. Hmm. Got to get ready. You got to be prepared for everything. Belichick prepares for everything. He's got Josh Gordon doing tackling drills, definitely. All right. Buffalo Bills at the New York Giants, a rematch of Super Bowl 25-ish or something. We're going back away, way. Now. This is a rematch. Yeah. It's the first time they've played since 1991. Huh. That's not true. Um, what are you looking for in this one? Ed Oliver. Ed Oliver looked good. Did a good game. Disruptive. Yeah. And he started like he, so he drew a lot of comparisons to Aaron Donald coming out. And as as much as they make sense in a lot of ways, they weren't nearly comparable when it comes to the development right donald in the college was already this incredibly sophisticated pass rusher in terms of hand usage and you know the technical aspects of everything right and oliver has the crazy athleticism and the speed and the size um and a lot of those things that compare directly with donald but he wasn't nearly as polished when it comes to hand usage and being able to defeat blocks once they latch on that kind of thing that's why his pass rushing grades were never really as good that and being stuck playing nose tackle for half the time um, but we saw even just one short off season, like he's come on a fair bit and he was using his hands. He was tossing jets, offensive linemen, albeit hmm. around like ragdolls and shedding blocks and making some plays. So I'm kind of curious now to see how fast he can develop and become Aaron Donald light. Get some matchups with, uh, I mean, it's going to be more difficult with Kevin Zeitler mm. and Will Hernandez, right? Potentially. Um, I want to see how ba- I want to know how bad this Giants defense is, but really want to see Josh Allen pretty bad. against a bad defense. Allen just did not take care of the football at all last week. Um, some people tagged us on Twitter about his um, his back shoulder game winner. Just so yeah. you know how we're how we're grading th- these things are. You throw the ball at the release. There's like some you don't know like when he threw the ball, he doesn't know that Daryl Roberts is going to play that like you in the I- Irish League. Yeah, it's, I would not have played that like that. Like you, an Irish leaguer in the NFL. How about that? Mm, Poorly. Okay, maybe. Um, he threw a pass that most of the time is probably broken up or contested or whatever it is. It was more bad play by the defense yeah. than a good play so by the offense. I would, I would clarify my initial Monday reaction a little bit. Um, like I didn't, I basically hadn't watched the thing back again since the first time, and we were saying it was a woefully underthrown ball and all that kind of stuff. I think it, it was a designed back shoulder throw. Having said that, it was an inaccurate one. Like Right. That's just one that, like, when the wide corner receiver, is there, yeah, John Brown, like, the, 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 the bones of what we were saying was right, but I think it was, it was deliberately thrown as an attempted back shoulder throw as opposed to like an un, uh, as opposed to a go underthrown by five yards, right? Right. right. You know, the, the wide receiver John Brown releases to the outside, gets uh, in phase with the cornerback. They then pretty much level all the way down the field. Allen attempts to throw a back shoulder throw, which is what you do against tight man coverage. 
the theory being that you then throw it to kind of back towards the sideline. The receiver just stops. The cornerback doesn't because he's playing the man and you end up gaining separation that way. Now, what you don't do in that scenario is throw the ball inside the cornerback because at that point, by definition, the receiver has to fight through the cornerback to get back to the ball. Now, this was sufficiently janky in terms of ball placement that it was such a huge adjustment that the corner played it terribly and made a huge mess of it. But my point, my initial point way back on Monday was when you throw a ball that requires that large an adjustment from the wide receiver, the cornerback basically has no shot because he's never going to be able to react to that unless he's watching the ball already. So the, I freely admit that it was a designed back shoulder throw, but it's, I still don't think it was a good one. Yeah, so I want to see. There's a lot to, to watch here with Josh Allen. They used play action once. Play got negated by penalty. So if you guys have premium stats, it's going to say 0% because we don't use negated plays. 0% play action with Josh Allen. They came out chucking the ball all over the place. Average depth of target was 8.9. It's just a fascinating piece of work watching Josh Allen try to become this short, intermediate guy who's going to you know go over the top every now and again rather than the guy that we thought his best way of developing would be is the heavy play action game like be, right. be the 40 percent play action guy that's throwing verticals all the time so i don't is this a trend or is this um an anomaly last week it just happened to be against that jets defense so i want to see what happens against the giants the giants were absolutely destroyed by dallas in their play action game so that's what i want to see okay in this one seattle seahawks at the pittsburgh steelers we all took Pitt, but it's not because we think Pitt is way better than seattle it's just we all thought they're going to win. Yeah. Last last game, I went Buffalo. You went Giants. Sorry, yeah. Um, I The only thing I'm interested in seeing when the Steelers play is more James Washington because if I have to suffer through another 10-target performance from Dante Moncrief... I'm just going to start gonna firing be, you Moncrief playlists. I'm not going to be ultimate. held responsible for my actions. That's that's just what I'm saying. I'm going to start sharing in ultimate just Moncrief highlights. I, I can't deal with it. I can't, No. I can't. I can't. No. No more. Look, the... Uh, <sighs> At this point, everybody knows what Moncrief is, right? Which is an athletically gifted receiver who is never going to realize that potential. He's like wide receiver Jameis, right? And as much as people like you are looking at what he does in practice and going, one of these days, he's going to put it all together. I'm going to get a 1,600-yard receiver. Wait right until here. Jameis is throwing to Moncrief in 2022, <laughs> and it all comes together. But you watch what happened, right? The Patriots took away Juju Smith, largely, or at least made it very hard for the Steelers to get passes completed to Juju, at which point somebody else has got to step up, right? Now, they decided that Moncrief was the guy to step up. They threw 10 passes at him, and he caught four of them for like six yards or something ridiculous, including multiple drops. Uh, James Washington caught one deep pass, weirdly stepped out of bounds, which I didn't quite understand, but I'm willing to accept that might have just been a trick of camera angles. Um, Almost like could have caught a second one, was behind the defense again, and Roethlisberger overthrew him. So that's potentially two huge plays that Washington could have had in that game, which would have been your two best passing plays on the night. Um, Deontay Johnson caught like a one-handed snag across the middle that was better than anything Moncrief is going to do in the next six weeks. So you've got two guys that are way more likely to do impressive things for you than Moncrief is. Stop going with the guy just because he's an aging veteran and you're comfortable with what he does, which is nothing. Adjust your depth chart. Put Washington at number two. Move on and stop, you know, irritating my Sundays. That's all I ask. Is that grinding your gears right now? It is. It is grinding my gears. That's the only thing I'm interested in seeing in this game. Anything else can can go to hell, frankly. 
What do you want to see? Well, I just want to add to that quickly. Out of 32 qualifying, qualifying QBs, Ben Roethlisberger, number 30 right now, 46.3 grade. This is one of those I think week two is going to look different from week one. Uh-huh. The Steelers going up against a really good Patriots defense, now going to a Seattle team that has some coverage issues on the back end. I think Roethlisberger will be in better shape. Juju will be in better shape. Somebody needs to emerge as the number two there. So I'm expecting the pit offense to bounce back. Big Ben needs to stop missing throws, though. Yeah. That was kind of the thing. That was what made him grade worse last year. Yeah. Not the production side, the misses right. in week one was bad. Big plays are still there. Bad plays came higher. But Pittsburgh's coverage issues, they had multiple coverage busts. Cameron Kelly, the poor AAF guy, busting coverages, um, letting guys run behind them and everything. You know They need to, to bounce back with um, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett yeah. coming to town. So we're taking Pitt, but I think this is one of the better the better games in the Tyler NFL. Lockett was saying he saw more double coverage last week than he's seen since college. It's amazing. Yeah. I mean, if you're if you're looking at that Seattle depth chart, you're like, all right, I mean, we don't would. know we don't know what we're getting from Metcalf yeah. yet. Yeah, yeah. Go stop. I'm Lockett. not saying they were wrong to do that. I want to see how, how teams adjust to that. Um, Pittsburgh was also, by the way, if you're if you're playing fantasy and all, they were employing a lot of coverages that were focused on doubling. You know, it's it's this phrase that's thrown out there, but yeah. Pittsburgh was doing that a lot in week one against New England, so they are choosing That's weird players. who to take. Don't give any insight away. I'm just it's not what I would do if I was them. Okay. That's all I'm saying. So just keep an eye on that. They might try to take specific people away. Maybe it's Tyler Lockett. Maybe it's DK Metcalf after week one. Maybe. Who knows? Dallas Cowboys at the Washington Redskins. What are uh, you looking for, Sam? <laughs> I see your notes. Yeah. Terry McLaurin and oh, Terry McLaurin alone. Is he like your Richard Higgins? This yeah, season? he is. Oh, God. Look, Do you love him that much? I really like him. Um, and I think that it just it always struck me as weird that everybody was fascinated over Paris Campbell in the draft, the Ohio State receiver, because look at his speed and, you know, gets production out of that gimmick role they have there. McLaurin was clearly a superior wide receiver at all points. Yeah. And, he didn't have the type of volume. Right, because that right, that receiver in Ohio State scheme is like ornamental most of the time. It's the gimmick guy that gets all the production. That's why you draft Curtis Samuel high, you draft Paris Campbell, and you wonder why none of these guys shake out as like amazing wide receivers at the next level. It's just like a manufactured job. Like it's fake. Um, whereas McLaren is like but a Michael, legit wide receiver that like carved Michael Thomas up. emerging. Right, because he was the McLaren role. Yeah. Um, and then you have week one, tears the Eagles to pieces. Like, he's going to be good. He could have had so much more, too. Yeah. He got overthrown yep. on a deep, deep post. So I'm fascinated to see that against, like, a far more legit back end in Dallas. Yeah. Dallas, I mean, Dallas, after week one, how much do, are they truly a Super Bowl contender? They looked like a Super Bowl contender. Mm-hmm. How much of that is the Giants? Definitely want to see that on the road against Washington. I really want to see part two of Kellen Moore. Okay. You know, because just from a play calling standpoint, they used motion 69.1% of the time, third highest in the NFL, up from mid, mid-tier. mid There was 16th or something last year in motion, and they used play action second most behind only Lamar Jackson. Second or third, depending on which filter I had on. I don't remember. They used a ton <laughs> of play action. Play action, motioning. It was, again, we said it on Monday, but almost exactly that all the the people in our little analytics Twitter community are yeah. like, hey, do this like checklist of how to call the offense. Right. It's like Kellen Moore went down the checklist yeah, yeah. On, in week one. So I think it was Marcus Marsha that tweeted. And I think it was kind of as a joke. 
but imagine how good Kellen Moore would be in Kellen Moore's offense. Oh, man. As a serious question, I would kind of like to pose, like, would he have been viable in his own offense? He should have just called his own plays, man. Right. Like, if he had been the guy creating the playbook for himself, he might have actually had a, an NFL starting career. Like, he should be over there taking over the Colts instead of Jacoby Brissett. Right. Come yeah. in as a player coach. Yeah. Look, I know you guys have lost Andrew Luck. I'm going to come in here and rescue the whole thing as a player coach. Go to the Jets right now. Yeah. Take over for Mono. Mono. Mono Donald. I love this as an idea. We got a player coach now. Somebody that He's badly that needs an offensive He's coordinator and a quarterback. What's your call, Kellen? Right. Kellen just comes in. Does he yeah, is he allowed radio himself? Yeah, he can. Okay. Until fifteen seconds though, then they cut or, it off. Wait, what if he if he was the offensive coordinator, could you give like the green dot on offense to somebody else and you could start talking to your own wide receiver? Also, that's a great question. So until 15 seconds left right. on the play clock. You start communicating with your whiteout. Hey, hey, Gallup, here's what we're going to do. Right. You stay. You don't even come to the huddle. We're going to rush to the line. He's impressed. You know what to do. Right. <laughs> he doesn't even have to come to the huddle anymore. You stay out there. I'll call the play from here. Think about how efficient that no huddle could be. Yeah. Who do you want to talk to, though? Maybe it's the center if you're on the road. Maybe could it's just be, the yeah. center. Yeah, hey, yeah. set protection, dude. Except, even though he's right yeah, next it's, to you. You're screwed with the 15-second thing. You've got to get everything tackle. done quick. Yeah. But yeah, maybe That's it is That's why you run the hurry up. Yeah. Changing the game here. I like it. Well, when I'm in Houston, I'm hiring Kellen Moore as my backup QB slash coach. How, how old did he when, say he uh, was? 30? So you still got 30. like a good 10 years out of him if Tom Brady's anything. Yeah, and by. the other good part, it's not like you have to worry about declining arm strength. He already has a middle right, school arm. He didn't have arm. any. Yeah. yeah. He's got the so worst you got arm like, I've ever seen. You've got like 12 years out of him. But if, he get, if you get him on the TB12 diet now, right? Yeah. You've got 12 years of offensive coordinator uh, quarterback. Kellen it's a money Moore. saver. This is genius. Yeah. So you got a great play caller. And I'm telling you, his pocket presence, his accuracy. Ugh. Just like I want to see more like Nick Foles data in the NFL. Yeah. You know, just to see what he really is. I wanted more telling more data. Sadly, I think he'd kind of like nobody wanted him to succeed more than us. And yet by the end, it was like, yeah, OK, he's probably. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's some throws out there. Uh, that, yeah, it's, it's probably just, fair to, to move on at this sometimes point. You're a little overmatched in the NFL, but um, still intrigued. We all went Dallas. Still better than Hackenberg. Well, anyway, Arizona right. Cardinals adds the Baltimore Ravens. We all went Dallas yeah, in that last game because we're all buying in. Cardinals at the Ravens. What are you looking for? Uh, Kyla Murray versus Earl Thomas, which is not like the cleanest of one-on-one matchups you're ever going to f- find on a football field. But Kyla Murray made some fantastic throws, made some questionable throws, got hosed by his own receiver um, who couldn't run a slant without getting owned off the line of scrimmage. Um but also made made a few throws that that <laughs> they're okay against the Lions, but Earl Thomas is going to be there if you throw that against the Ravens. Like he has the kind of range where if you put that kind of oh, yeah. distance arc and trajectory on the ball, you're going to find that Earl Thomas appears at the end of that throw in a way other safeties don't. So I'm like genuinely fascinated to see if at all and how many times. Earl Thomas pops up at the end of a Kyla Murray throw that other no other safety is going to be there. There's a lot of great matchups in here because we came into the season saying, okay, how will the Cardinals protect in this new scheme? Well, the Ravens are one of those teams that are going to challenge it, right? I mean, they're one yeah. of those teams that are going, they're going to use that fifth man as a creeper. They're going to do all sorts of creative stuff, potentially. So if anybody's going to... I mean, this is one of those games where we could see, even though the Ravens don't have a great pass rush, so to speak, man-to-man... This could be one of those games where it's like, man, he just got pressured 50% of the time. Mm-hmm. How did he handle that onslaught? 
or it's one of those games where you just say, okay, maybe it's not as bad as we thought pass protection wise. Like they'll, they can sort it out. And then you've got them playing with their 10 personnel and a lot of wide receivers going up against one of the deepest secondaries in the NFL. Yeah. Jimmy Smith banged up again. I mean, he's always banged up, right? You know what else we need to see more of? What's that? Andy Isabella. Yeah. What's up with him? I don't know. They didn't. Base didn't play. I don't think they played him at all on offense in the first game. He was just returning kicks. Um, but this this team does not have wide receivers to the point where you can afford to overlook a potentially devastating deep threat like Andy Isabella. Yeah, I would try to take advantage of him. Like Larry Fitzgerald you looks know, okay. good still, but he's you know eighty seven years old. He's not going to get separation. You're going to have to throw him some jump balls and hope that he wins those freaky diving catches that he makes. Christian Kirk looked terrible. Guy couldn't run a slant. Like he's. Christian Kirk is at fault for one of Kyler Murray's turnover-worthy plays. He threw the ball right to Rashad Melvin on a slant. Well, we wouldn't but he just call it turnover-worthy like, if it's truly his fault. Kirk Sometimes there's just no fault. Well, so it's he's, debatable he's had, that when he looks up, you know, he was... When he we was, debate those all the time, though. If you throw right. it and there's truly nothing you can do... Yes. Versus the ones where you... So this was... The corner has leverage and The receiver it. was so bad on this play that... He was beaten early enough that you look at Murray and you say, you shouldn't throw that, right? Because at this point, you can see it's got no hope. But that ultimately boils down to the idea that Kirk got beaten so badly that a slant, which is basically a gimme throw in today's NFL, turned into a ball thrown right to the cornerback yeah, because he just got killed off the line. Yeah, That's long. ugly. My point is Andy Isabella needs to be on the field because the guys you have out there are not worthy of preventing him from being on the field That's the same type of stuff that isabella struggles with though well i wouldn't run a slant with him just send him go okay just go, go. Hey, if you get not get off the line at least it's a go ball right that we can ignore okay um and of course we want to see um lamar jackson again yeah you know does arizona completely change their game plan again week to week things can change does lamar regress back into lamar or are we truly seeing this transformed mvp candidate Type I mean, of Cal. If he played this way through 16 games, that would be one of the most astounding turnarounds you've ever seen. Certainly would be. It would be the extreme end of what we said. Oh, yeah, you get, you know, more open throws, and but like you're hitting right. All. You achieved all of your potential in the space of an offseason. That would be impressive. All right. So we'll, we'll see what happens there. I'm taking Baltimore. Uh, we all are. Same. Yeah. We're all taking Baltimore. And we're also taking Kansas City at Oakland. Um, this could be a better game than we think. This was one of the, you know, Oakland gave Kansas City. Some decent games, considering the difference in record last year. And now you've got Oakland with Derek Carr throwing the ball really well against Denver the other night. Kansas City with no Tyreek Hill. So, yeah, Sammy Watkins went for almost 200 yards. But, you know, do you know is something different when you don't have Tyreek Hill to game plan for. Mm -hmm. You maybe put a little bit more focus on Sammy Watkins and Travis Kelsey. And, you know, do they get Miko Hardman in the mix and the Tyreek role? Um, there's a lot to see in this game yeah that's what's fascinating about this Chiefs offense is I think it's so good and so deep that almost regardless of who you take away they're just going to go to the next guy and kill you anyway um, I'm actually fascinated the other side of the ball which is like is Derek Carr actually going to get hot again is he going to get good are we going to see 2016 Derek Carr where he looked like you know one of the the best young quarterbacks and a guy that could become one of the next guys um, somehow like the receivers that looked like a disaster on paper without Antonio Brown actually looked good. Um, Tyrell Williams was making some plays. Darren Waller is somehow a viable tight end at the next level, having been like a pretty mediocre, big wide receiver at Georgia right. Tech in a 
triple option offense. That's that's kind of insane. Just in, in and of year itself. Four, year four in the NFL and uh, had a nice game. Yeah. So, I mean, if, if Carr actually has some weapons there and, you know, maybe he can play. We've seen him play at this level before. Just it hasn't happened in a while. Yeah, it's a challenge because on paper, they're still not great offensively, but they had a good first week. Right. And yeah. this Chiefs defense is not great. So this is an interesting week to see. Can he back it up or did he just have one good game against the, against the Broncos? This is at Oakland. So this is yeah. a rare Oakland will have two straight games at home. Then they go on like a 28,000 mile road trip for a while. Is that what they're doing? Something Are like they going that. going to London yeah. and everything? I don't know where they're going. But I just, they said on the broadcast, really? like they get a game at home and then they have to travel a lot. This is, it's rare that you're, you're going to see Oakland with their second home game in two weeks and Kansas City with their second away game yeah. in two weeks. So if you're the Chiefs coming out of this 2 0, you're feeling pretty good. All right, we got eight, yeah. eight more uh, home games. I mean, this game. On paper, it should be the Chiefs, but it's kind of setting up that there's a lot of things swinging slightly in Oakland's favor off the back of it. Yeah, let's see if Oakland can... Um, that being said, we all want the Chiefs. You want to get pressure on Mahomes? Let's see if they can contain him yeah. as well. We're all taking the Chiefs here. we get three more games to get through. <laughs> Chicago Bears at the Denver Broncos. Vic Fangio. Yeah. Coach of the Broncos going up against his uh, defense. And that's interesting game. because they basically came out and said they don't want to run a single play that Fangio has seen. Obviously, he coached there last year, right? So he knows the playbook. So they're like, we don't want to show him anything that he knows. Everything's going to be new. Offensively or defensively? Offensively. I was going to say defensively. Like, no, no, no. Like offense. Like the Matt no Nagy, cover two this week. Matt Nagy doesn't want to call a play that Vic, that Vic Fangio has seen before. That sounds. Um, that's that's not how plays work. <laughs> but also, the interesting thing about Week One for Chicago is they ran a whole bunch of weird stuff. We had the Tariq Cohen to wide receiver experiment. This offense trio looked, stuff. Right, the offense looked very different to the way it looked last year. That's true. And the overall takeaway coming out of the game is it didn't work. Right. Or at least it because whatever the reason, whether the offense itself didn't work or whether Trubisky running that offense didn't work, therefore it didn't work. It didn't work. So now they're sort of a lot of the thought was, well, do they then go back to all the things that did work, dump the Tariq Cohen wide receiver experiment and kind of, you know, go back to what was working for them. But now they're coming out and saying, we're not running anything that he's seen before. I can't wait to see So that. we're probably going to see a lot more of the stuff that didn't work in week one. I mentioned, too, there was a lot of Adam Shaheen you know, isolated on the same. That's the type of stuff you do with your really good mismatched tight end, and they're doing yeah. it with Adam Shaheen. And it was like, for all of that eye candy that Chicago did offensively, all of their big play opportunities were basically like 50-50 balls and just one-on-one -on -one yeah. matchups. Hey, Allen Robinson, and go Alan get Robinson, it. Yeah. Taylor Gabriel, go get it. So... Yeah, that's my big question. The reason why Trubisky put up good stats last year, they schemed stuff up for him. Uh -huh. They schemed up some easy stuff. Can you get anything schemed up well enough against this Denver? I'm just, defense? I'm very fascinated now by the idea that they're essentially telegraphing that they're going to do more of the things that didn't work week one. Well, no, because they're going to do, he, Fangio saw those plays. They're on film. I, it's going to be mean, something completely different. The suggestion to me was the stuff that he'd seen like in practice live. You know, he knew the details of as opposed to just I saw it on TV week one. The thing, the, the, the only way that you can do that because plays are plays. Teams don't have 9 million actual plays. They have hundreds of plays disguised with thousands of formations and adjustments and uh, motions and all these different things. That's the only thing he's probably going to get creative with. How do we get into these plays? Because teams don't change the right. actual plays that they run. So it'll be an interesting little chess match. Can Trubisky bounce? And we're talking Trubisky versus Flacco here. Oh, God. 
Yeah, we are, aren't we? 13 to 10 game. Denver at home, we always know they're a different team. That's why even the worst Denver teams, you can kind of bank on them winning five, six games because home advantage. They have some stupid record early in the year in mile high. Yeah. Like crazy numbers. So that'll be a factor. You know, Chicago, both teams trying to avoid going 0 2. Yeah. Philadelphia, what are we taking? Uh, We're all taking Chicago. Ah, take that, Bears haters. Look at that. We, we love you, Bears. Went, all of us went with the Bears. They're going to lose. They're going 0-2. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We're going to lose all of our Chicago listeners by the time they're eliminated from the playoffs. Like and we we have any left. They have such a tough schedule. Look, don't easy. look. we've all picked them. Don't go Bears. The good go Bears. Make our picks look good. Philadelphia Eagles at the Atlanta Falcons. The boss is on the call. Sunday night football. Chris, you haven't given me the uh, insight whether or not you're going to slide in this week or not. Yeah, you were supposed to get that by this time. Were there like odds on that or anything like that? I hope I don't I know. But if they were, we're pro- yeah, we're, <laughs> we, we screwed people. You more than we. I, I didn't know anything. You assured me that he was no longer sliding, and then he slided. Slid? Definitely not slided. Slid then. Out Sean. Out Sean, everybody. Yeah. I'm telling you, that's how it's pronounced. Not in America. Philadelphia Eagles Are at you the sure Falcons. It You're not, you don't have a great record with pronouncing things. I'm Are you sure it's not just you messing it up rather than your nation as a whole? Talk about the game while I look up. Okay. Are you so spelling thing, it like this? You spell it the same. You just don't say shown. That's not shown. a word. Um, when I search out shown, yeah. outshine comes up. <laughs> that's what we were debating, right? So, no, you wanted outshined. It's definitely not that. That's just silly. Um, so the thing I'm interested in this game is can the Atlanta Falcons offensive line block anybody because they couldn't against the Vikings by large, by and large. And if anything, Philadelphia's defensive front is more nasty than Minnesota's. So that kind of has bad day for the offense written all over it. Yeah. Um, and even though they lost Malik Jackson for the year with a Liz Frank injury, I think like that was still the deepest defensive front in football as well. So it's like, it hurts, but it's not. They're still going to be able to get after you. Yeah, and I'm wondering about the the defensive side. Can they cover anybody? It was the issue that they had last year. We talked about you know beyond Desmond Trufant at corner, plenty of question marks. They weren't challenged a ton, but when they were, they were committing penalties left and right. We talked about Kirk Cousins dropping some nice passes in, and how the heck do you cover all these Eagles receivers? Yeah, with with difficulty. Um, I don't think the Eagles. They're not as explosive as the Chiefs, but they've got one of those. You know, there's been games where the Chiefs kind of like sleepwalk through a quarter, quarter and a half, and then it's like, oh, you scored 30. You scored 38. I mean, that was the Eagles the other day. They were doing nothing, and before yeah. you know it, they've got 32. They have Wentz's ability to throw the ball down the field, Deshaun Jackson and Jeffrey and the tight ends, all those guys. I mean, they've got the ability to put points up quickly. So you know what's tricky? I'm, I'm busy looking through the dictionary right now to try and find a resolution to our outshone, outshone uh, discussion. They, you know the way they give you the sounds. They give you the how you pronounce. I'm not these seeing things. that. Yet. Well, they give you the sounds for the present tense, which is outshine. None of them give you the sound for the past tense, which is not helping. I'll have to keep searching. Can somebody contact the dictionary people and ask them to put in the sounds for the different tenses? Because well, those are maybe words. somebody has the answer in the uh, YouTube comments because we're live. Yeah, in case you forgot. Okay, man, this is a long show. We're getting really after is. it today. I mean, do you have anything look, to do? Let's just stay here till uh, game time. Till game time? Yeah. We're like two and a half days. Anything else with Eagles Falcon? Matt Ryan's got to bounce back. Does he? I mean, I he's not going s- to if the offensive line can't block anybody. It would have fit my narrative better if last week was an outdoor game and now he's going indoors, but he's indoors every week. He's going into, if he's going into Pennsylvania, then he'd be screwed. Well, he's, oh, it's a Pennsylvania team. Right. 
But he's got home, going to Pennsylvania. So it's like a 90 grade. Yeah. Just so we remember, last year after week one, the Matt Ryan question marks were like, why does his arm look terrible? You know, what's his deal? He looked he looked off in week one. Outshone. <laughs> Outshone. Hang on. Let's, let's, yeah, apparently it's your whole nation screwing up this word. Let's, let's see if I can get what do you this. Mean? How come? Let's see. Shh. I'm going to try and get this on the microphone so that the people can hear the official resolution okay. of this. Ready? Here we are. Three, two, one. Outshone. Outshone. So yeah, your entire nation is screwing up the pronunciation of that word. Look at you. Just straight up. Hey, here's a fact in front of me. Allow me to ignore it. Well, look, that's clearly an that's American guy, done. given the, the the sound. It's not my fault. Your whole nation is screwing it up. Why are we? Well, why would we even research things if you're not going to agree with the answer? I mean, I've agreed. I, it is. It has convinced me that it's not just you that's an idiot. It's it's all Americans. It's very American of you to have facts thrown in your face and then blatantly ignore them. Well, look, that's I'm 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 becoming uh, conditioned. All right. Anyway, this is all things that'll help me when I come to the green card process. I can point to this kind of stuff. Say, look, I'm as American as everybody else. Look, I say outshone. God, I'm not going to do that. You might want to drop that in there so they know there's a there's a difference between you and you know other Irish folks. I'm not, I'm never saying outshone because that's just wrong. It's outshone. Is Matt, is Matt Ryan going to bounce back? No, he's going to get annihilated by the Eagles' pass rush. Well, there you go. We're all taking Philly, except me. I think Matt Ryan's going to bounce back. (laughs) You're talking me out of it, but I took Atlanta (laughs) earlier this week. What I was trying to say, coming out of last year, in week one, Matt Ryan looked terrible. It's like, oh, gosh, he can't even throw the ball over 40 yards, blah, blah, blah. The next, like, three weeks, he tore it up. He ended up having a pretty good season. Right. He looked really bad that first game. Yeah, he did. Yeah. But guess what? But this one, like... We got to figure it out at home. Week one against the Vikings wasn't like that last week of the year. It was like he looked like Peyton Manning's arm. You know what? It completely fell off a cliff. And it's like you yes. can't actually throw the ball anymore. Yeah. He looked like that. Right. Whereas week one, this it was like, oh, you can throw it fine. Just stop throwing it to Vikings. Yeah. He just made bad decisions. He right. can He can offset that pretty well. But that's a, what that. I'm saying is that seems like a weird. I mean, d- coming back from what he did last year was strange because I don't understand how you suddenly find your arm again. But. I don't know. Dome. I know. It, it helps. Yeah, but it doesn't turn you from like end of career Peyton Manning back into like a regular NFL quarterback. I don't know. Um, and then, but this week it's like, how do you stop making terrible idiot decisions, particularly in the face of pressure? You just, you, you just stop do it. doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Just I, just, play the odds that you're not going to. That have. to me feels like a trickier thing to come back from than the weird random arm thing that shouldn't have happened in the first place. Yeah, that's why I'm taking Atlanta. We're at the end. The final Monday game. night football. How happy are ESPN that this is now Monday night football? The Cleveland Browns. The Cleveland Browns. That's what you get for got, putting the Browns right, on Monday night just football. got murdered by the Tennessee Titans against the New York Jets that no longer have any players left because they're all got mono and injuries and MRIs and stuff. Hope they weren't sharing water bottles during practice. Anyway, my Jets hosting the Cleveland Browns on Monday night football. Uh-huh. What are you looking for in this one? Uh, so... I everyone well now we all get the beauty of a Trevor Simeon led team on Monday Night Football so that's something nice to behold I felt like we deserved that Uh, I think everyone's going to be looking for the Baker Mayfield bounce back you know can he get over that ugly game week one which was only really ugly towards the end and even then you know how much was him how much was the fact that he had turnstiles and tackles and blah 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 but I'm actually more fascinated with whether the defense can like get its crap together. Yeah. Because they were doing some 
terrible things in terms of just like blown assignments, weird, you know, adjustments, not understanding what you're looking at and just going AWOL. Like that's some bad organization on the back end that should not happen to any team, let alone a team that has designs and actually being good this year. You have to know if that's a trend. Right. Right. So do they get their stuff back together? It's going to help that they're now going up against Trevor Simeon. So, you know, you should be facing a worse offense. Um, Is Trevor Simeon right now that much different from Sam Darnold? Because Simeon, let's probably let's, not. But. I mean, we're making fun of Simeon as in like, hey, you know, like I wouldn't want him as my starter. But yeah. he's, he's put together decent games in the past. He does something. He throws the ball outside the numbers pretty well. Like in any given game, he could be fine compared to Darnold. Sure. And that's not taking anything away from Darnold. It's not like trying to trash Darnold either. Simeon's not terrible. No, but I, I mean, I think between the two of them, you should be facing a significantly worse offense Agreed. than they were facing last week. And, you know, they just need to show that they're able to play disciplined assignment football on defense because otherwise it doesn't really matter what Baker's able to do if the defense sucks that much. Yeah, so Brown's defense bouncing back. Let's see if the Jets can even throw downfield. Darnold had the second lowest average depth of target last week. Is that a Darnold thing? Is that a scheme thing? We'll see what happens with Simeon. By the way, Darnold has mono if you're just uh, hearing about it. He won't be playing. And it sounds like he's not going to play in week three against New England. Right. Then he'll get the bye week off in week four, and they're hoping for him to be back in week five. I saw a comedy tweet suggesting that... uh Demarius Thomas was carrying mono. And oh, yeah. Shipped him. Belichick, Belichick him ships him over. To the Jets with mono. <laughs> anyway, to get back at the Jets for screwing him back 19 years ago. Who are we going with? I got the Browns. I had the Browns, too, both before and after. Yeah, same. The, I haven't uh, changed. Announcement. I thought they would beat the Jets regardless, and I definitely think they're going to beat the Jets minus Darnold and possibly Le'Veon Bell, who had an MRI today. He did. He should. They said he should be okay, but, you know. It's a it weird time to have an MRI, though, like Wednesday. Wednesday, yeah. Like normally, that's you know about it coming out of the week. You get right. that Monday to today's have it. Thursday. On. We both just said when, today's Thursday, right? Yeah. Yeah, it is. How okay. did we both think it was Wednesday? At the same this time? is kind of this week one is already heading that way. Oh, gosh. Um, but yeah, that's strange timing, I would have thought, for an MRI. It's Thursday, and it's time to uh, wrap it up. By the way, Baker in that offense against Greg Williams on the yeah, Jets yeah. defense. Little reunion. I'm no... Uh, Expert, but I would suggest there's going to be some room in the middle of the field. There might be. Marcus May playing the uh, free safety by the ocean. Yes. So there you have it. Week two previews in the books. Short and sweet and crisp. We hope you guys enjoyed it. We're live on YouTube. Appreciate everybody tuning in. Did you say short and sweet? Yeah, this was just podcast like nine hours long. Well, Chris told us to do like two or three hours. We kept it tight. It's true. There we go. Yeah. Enjoy your week two, everybody. We'll see you Monday with our recap. Quick break to tell you guys about NFL Game Pass, the only way that you can replay every game all season long. You can relive all the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stars from every game every week. It's all the action, all the football you can handle, all in one place. So every game that we're talking about right now, you guys can rewatch it after the fact. I'm going to be going back, and you guys can too. Go check out Lamar Jackson in week one. Go check out Dak Prescott and what that Cowboys offense actually did go check out kyler murray and his nfl debut that's my favorite thing about nfl game pass you can go back and watch at any time and if you haven't watched a condensed game yet you have to try it out it's every play from the game back to back to back so you can replay an entire nfl game in the fraction of the time it normally takes it's how i'm able to follow all the mvp candidates all the breakout stars and of course your waiver wire pickups all season long 
to see all the action this season and stay on top of all the big storylines you need NFL Game Pass. Best of all, you can kick off the 2019 NFL season with a seven-day free trial of NFL Game Pass. Just sign up now at nfl.com slash pro football focus NFL.